Psalm 23, like I said just a few moments ago, there's a really good chance that many of you know these words. They've been set to music, they've been recited often in worship, printed on t-shirts, made into posters, tattooed into body art, and read during memorial services for the Queen of England and U.S. presidents, and maybe at the memorial service for a friend of yours, someone that you've known and loved in your life. And like I said just a few moments ago, these words are in you more than you realize. So I want to give that a try. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to say the first part of each phrase and you just, wherever you are, respond with what comes next. You ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside. He restores. Even though I walk through the valley, Your rod and your staff, you prepare a table before me, you anoint my head with oil, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Good job. Well done. Maybe you got some of those. Maybe you got a couple. Maybe you got all of them. Well, well done. We're coming to the end of our worship series called Extraordinary, and we've been exploring what it means to worship an extraordinary God who calls us to live extraordinarily. Over the past several weeks, uh, we've been exploring what it means to live in response to all that God provides for us. We've looked at seven extraordinary responses forgiveness and praise, gratitude and generosity, joy and love. And today, we'll learn about extraordinary blessing, God's extraordinary work of blessing in our lives. Now, it's important to understand what blessing is and what it is not. Blessing is not a bunch of things on our wish lists. Blessing is not part of some cosmic transaction where if we do the right number of good deeds, God rewards us with blessing. It's not like standing in front of a heavenly vending machine, putting in our offering, expecting that God will deliver goods in the form of everything from the closest parking space in front of the store to good heart health. I mean, We can't very well eat a steady diet of bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches with extra bacon and extra mayo and expect God to keep our arteries clear. It doesn't work that way. Blessing is something else entirely. Blessing is gift. Blessing is pure grace. Blessing is unearned, unexpected love from God that reminds us that we're completely taken care of. It's a powerful thing to be able to say, I shall not want, in light of God's extravagant blessing in our lives. That doesn't mean that all our wants are fulfilled. It means that God provides for our deepest needs, often through the gathered community, the body of Christ. According to the psalmist, goodness and mercy doesn't just follow us. It pursues us. It 
chases us down and will not let us go. Such extravagant blessing invites us to be a blessing to others. If you've been around Prince of Peace for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say that when we ask God to bless us, we're not asking to be blessed simply to be blessed. Rather, we're asking God to bless us so that we can bring blessing to someone else's life. Psalm 23 is an ancient Hebrew prayer of trust and confidence. A choir would most likely have led a congregation in singing it. In this psalm, there are five movements. What I'd like to do is just briefly walk us through each of those five movements. I'd also like to challenge you to use the daily reading plan for this that I've created for you to use as a meditation practice this week. So, let's look at each section in the context of God's extraordinary blessing in our lives. First, the extraordinary blessing in verse 1 is this. We can trust God to meet our needs. Let's read this verse 1 together. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. You know, to be able to say with confidence that the Lord is our shepherd, we have all we need, is to come to grips with our relationship with scarcity and abundance. And there's a big difference between living with a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. The path that our lives take depend in large part on the mindset that we adopt. To a great extent, we can choose to view our experience of the world as either abundant or scarce, but they can't coexist. The scarcity mindset is the belief that there will never be enough, that we'll always be wanting more, resulting in feelings of fear and stress and anxiety. The abundance mindset, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. This is a paradigm that is grounded in the belief that that there is more than enough for everyone. Verse 1 of Psalm 23 reminds us of the most basic fact that because the Lord is our shepherd, one who leads and guides and mentors and protects, we have everything we need. It's an invitation to stop putting our security in the things that we can lose. God, the shepherd, provides all we need. So let me challenge you to spend some time this week thinking about two questions. First, do you see your life mostly as a glass half full or a glass half empty? That should stir some thinking. The second question is even more important. Because the Lord is your shepherd, how much is enough? The extraordinary blessing in verses 2 and 3 is this. We can trust God to recharge our souls. Let's read verse 2 together. God lets me rest in green meadows. God leads me beside peaceful streams. The Lord renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. If you were to read through all 150 psalms, paying close attention to broad themes, you would quickly see that God is actively renewing and recharging, restoring, refreshing, recreating, and even rebooting. Interestingly, all of that has roots that go back to the ancient practice of Sabbath. In Genesis, God set aside the Sabbath and rested. 
God did this to model a deeply healthy practice for us. In the book of Exodus, the command is simple. Six days are set aside for work, but every seventh day is a Sabbath. You must rest completely, even during your busy seasons. You must observe a Sabbath day of rest. Friends, practicing Sabbath allows us to rest our bodies and refocus our spirit. Practicing Sabbath allows us to simply empty out so that there's room to refill when the time comes. One of the best but most challenging ways to practice Sabbath is to disconnect from the noisy chatter, the fast pace, the demands of our overscheduled schedules. One of the mentors in my life decided with his spouse to practice Sabbath by disconnecting, unplugging from technology. <laughs> I'll tell you right now that I got a little twitchy when I considered his modeling for my life. He goes off the grid from Friday afternoon after work until Sunday afternoon. No screens, no internet, no email, no technology from Friday late afternoon until Sunday late afternoon. At first, he and his wife said it was horrible, nearly impossible. Of course, they didn't just nail it on week one and go from there. It took them months and months of working the process, a little at a time. But at some point, they discovered that they had far more capacity and margin for creativity when they did that. Trust God to recharge your soul. So here's a challenge for you this week. Write the phrase, God leads, renews, guides, and gives me rest in your journal. And each day, pay attention to how God fulfills those promises. The extraordinary blessing in verse 4 is this. We can trust God in the dark valleys. Let's read verse 4 together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Friends, I think it's safe to say that everyone goes through some dark valleys at some point in their life. For some, the dark valley is related to our physical health. For others, it's the health of a loved one. It might even be the end of life for someone that we know and love. That's why Psalm 23 is so important for us. We've all been in the valley of shadows. Maybe your valley of the shadow of death has had something to do with debt or relational conflict. Maybe it was discouragement or depression. Maybe it was just a deep sense of being stuck. That's a very scary place for sure. Shadows can be frightening. We've learned that as kids. And as we got older, we learned that, that we mostly fear what we don't know and what we can't see. It's shadowy. We can't quite make out what's ahead or down that road. But here's something to keep in mind. Shadows are mostly larger than their source. Our fear is usually greater than the actual event. Shadows are mostly bigger than the source, which makes them look huge, a lot bigger than they really are. But here's the good news. Where there is a shadow, there's also light. You can't have a shadow without light. So the key to not letting fear overwhelm us when we're going through the valley of the shadow is to turn our backs on the darkness, on the shadow, and look back at the light. The promise from verse 4 
is that as long as we keep our eyes on the light, the shadow cannot overwhelm us. We're in the season of Epiphany. The message is that Christ is the light of the world, and as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, Christ remains our light. The extraordinary blessing in verse 5 is this. We can trust God's blessing. Let's read verse 5 together. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup overflows. A really common source of stress is wondering if we're enough, if we're good enough, if there's a place for us at the table. And one of the most insidious voices in all of this is the voice that says to us that that we're not welcome, that that we're not good enough, that there's this voice that tells us that, that we haven't measured up, shown up, or made the grade. We haven't arrived. We haven't done well enough. We all do this, and we all long for the affirmation that we are enough. I have a good friend who tells the story about a moment that he had with his dad, not long before his dad died. He was sitting with his dad at a dinner table. His spouse and their young adult kids were also there. The dinner conversation was so rich. It's filled with remembrances of past holidays, family gatherings, and celebration. His dad was sitting at the head of the table where he always sat, and he was just looking at my friend, just, just looking at him. He was quiet. He was still He was solid, and and my friend noticed his dad's focused gaze, and then his dad spoke. As he looked at his son, he just said, you've done really well. I'm proud of you. I love you. It was an amazing moment of blessing, the parent blessing the child. And that's what's going on here in this verse. God is reminding us that we are enough. God is saying to you, you have a seat at this table, at at my table. God says that you belong here. The the blessing in verse 5 is God saying to you, you are enough. The oil of blessing, the presence at the table is God saying to us, you are enough just the way you are. In my love and grace, you are enough. And because of that enoughness of God's love for you, you can know that you have everything you need. Well, the extraordinary blessing in verse 6 is this. We can trust God's faithfulness. Let's read verse 6 together. Surely... Certainly, without a doubt, the goodness and love of God will follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, verse 6 tells us that we'll never, ever, ever be alone. Ever. If there's anything that I want our five grandkids to know, absolutely, certainly, surely, without a doubt, it's that they are loved and treasured and that God will follow them all the days of their lives. And I want them to come to know that through me. I want them to know that they, having been created by the creator of the universe, and that they will always have just what they need just when they need it, 
We tend to make this so very complicated, but it's not. I think it was in a children's book that, that I either read to our kids when they were little or, or maybe more recently read to our grandkids. I couldn't put my finger on, on the book, but I do remember the sweet paraphrase of Psalm 23. Let me leave you with this. God, we are your little lambs. You give us all we need. You always keep us in your care. We'll follow where you lead. Wherever life may take us, one special thing we know, our shepherd's love and goodness will never let us go. Good words to hold on to. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, loving shepherd, we thank you that you are deeply connected to our lives. You are leading and guiding. You are comforting. You are blessing our lives so that we can bring blessing to other people's lives. We thank you for the promise of your love, the promise of your grace, the ongoing promise of your blessing in our lives. All of this we pray in the strong name of Christ. And all God's people said, 